It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It is Thursday here on the Locked On Network, and you know what that means. It is time for Crossover Thursday. I'm Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, and we are spotlighting this matchup against the Dolphins and Broncos alongside Locked On Broncos and Sayer Bettinger. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday here on the Lockdown Network, and you know what that means. It's crossover Thursday. We are Miami Dolphins and Denver Broncos locked on your teams every day. We don't just say it, we live it. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We thank you for joining us. I'm Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins. He is Sayer Benninger of Locked On Broncos. And today's episode of Crossover Thursday is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use all lowercase locked on NFL as your code for a first deposit match of up to $100. Dolphins, Broncos, one o'clock. Sire, how you doing? I'm doing great, Kyle. How about yourself? It's a, it, I mean, hey, early in the season, our team's going two different directions here. Yeah, it's certainly, um, Dolphins fans are not acclimated to promising starts and lots of points and lots of yards. So the Dolphins fans have been preconditioned to kind of just wait and see. And I think that that's probably still the frame of mind that I'm at. This team started three, and zero last year, but uh, Denver with Sean Payton and uh, Russell Wilson, that whole science experiment in year one with those two uh, really interested to hear your thoughts on that through the first two weeks. And if there's a, a bigger story for Denver, that would, uh, kind of surpass that kind of developing trend between the two hallmark faces of this organization right now. Right. Well, I mean, after the first two weeks of the season, it, it kind of looks like Sean Payton is delivering on what everyone hoped he would, which is kind of getting Russell Wilson back on track as of last season. You know, we really didn't see the obviously had to, to put it lightly, I guess, didn't see the Russell Wilson. We'd become accustomed to over his first 10 years in the NFL and obviously, when Sean Payton came in, everybody's thinking, okay, well, maybe he's the one. If anyone, he can make it work again. He can fix, you know, Russell Wilson. And I think we have seen that. But unfortunately, the Broncos aren't winning as a result of that, which now leads to all these other questions and the blame getting placed on Russ for the team not winning now. So initially, it's, well, Russ looks broken. He looks like he's not himself anymore. He's, you know, hit, hit that proverbial cliff or whatever, and he's fallen off of it completely, just taking that downhill slide and, and nowhere to really grab onto. But now Russ is playing well and the Broncos are still not winning. So now it's like, well, is the relationship between Russ and Sean Payton not good? Or is the defense, you know, have they fallen off a cliff now? 
it's just nothing is ever it's never going to be perfect for an NFL team but I think with this type of offense what we're seeing from Russell Wilson through the first two weeks it's way more sustainable than what we saw last year for the Denver Broncos when they set a franchise record for a low points scored in a season so just much more competence offensively overall and Russ we saw the moon balls to Marvin Mims in week two. We saw just much more consistency, I think. But it's first half Russ versus second half Russ. He seems to be getting super conservative in the second half. So that's where I'm really intrigued right now by what's he got going in the first half. That's so awesome. He's playing really great. Second half seems to be checking the ball down, seems to be taking more sacks. So Russ looks much better. But the Broncos, unfortunately, are not seeing the results. So offensively, I guess my my question to parlay off of that was there was some question whether Javante Williams would be ready for the start of the season and he's he's suited up. How much of a help are they getting from the running game? What are the investments? I know they spent big on the free agency for the offensive line, like you talked about the competency from scheme and performance, but uh, Javante Williams coming back from injury and Ben Powers and Mike McGlinchey's big name free agent signings for Denver. How have those guys kind of left their imprint here in the first couple of weeks for Denver. I think first and foremost with Javante, you've seen him come back and look fresh. He looks really good. He's breaking tackles. He's plowing into guys. He's doing all the things that we'd gotten used to seeing him do over the course of his rookie year before the injury in year two. And that offensive line is helping with that. Now where I'm really confused is we saw against the commanders with a 21 to three lead, not necessarily an abandonment of the run, but really what we expected Sean Payton to do coming in was kind of try to, you know, force and impose the will in the trenches by making those moves. Ben Powers, Mike McGlinchey, you kind of re up on Garrett Bowles by bringing him back when you didn't necessarily have to. They, they haven't really committed fully to the running game. Russell Wilson was arguably the most impressive runner in week two for the Broncos. Just didn't see, I was confused. Not a lot of Samaj P. Ryan, especially in the second half or even after that 21 to three lead. So you got two guys that can really do some great things. Even Jaleel McLaughlin got one touch, one touchdown. So it, it was just not a full commitment to it despite having a big lead which I don't know if that's Sean Payton really trying to just continue to, to hey, Russ, you're you're hot right now. Let's keep you hot. We just didn't see a commitment to the running game, which is very confusing, I think, to everyone in Broncos country based on what we kind of assumed going into the season. And, and for the Dolphins, kind of the running game is taking center stage after Sunday Night Football where Miami plays against the Chargers and they pass for crazy passing yards. Uh, against Los Angeles and their defense. And everybody's wondering, the Dolphins, they have spoken about this reinvestment into the running game, and yet they're throwing for 400-something yards, and then two is throwing the ball all over the field. What gives? And then you get into the game against New England, and you really saw New England as they tried to handle the speed on the perimeter. That allowed Miami to then kind of, I guess, throw to score, but run to win was the thought mm -hmm. process. And you saw Miami late in that game, and Raheem Mostert breaks a 43-yard run. So... Uh, just really was really interested in hearing you talk about the Broncos with their offensive line and their running game because Miami was reported to be interested in Javante Williams in the NFL draft the year that that he and Javon Holland were a couple of picks in succession and uh, a lot of Dolphins fans wanted Miami to sign Mike McGlinchey because of the relationship he had with Mike McDaniel going back to San Francisco so some pretty interesting parallels and familiar faces from the Dolphins side of this to kind of 
get a chance to circle back to, but I certainly think the the primary storyline for Miami is offensively what they have been able to achieve through the first two weeks of the season against Los Angeles and New England on the road. This is Miami's home opener. Uh, I, I think that's certainly something they're looking forward to after a West Coast trip, a primetime game, uh, kind of getting back into the flow of it. And I'm interested to see for Miami where the truth really lies on. You had one extreme and then the other extreme with your first two games. Uh, but that running game is absolutely something that you would expect with Mike McDaniel is going to continue to pop. The question is just Raheem Mostert, Devon Achain, who they spent a third round pick on, who's going to be the guy that pops it and who's going to be the guy who, who totes the rock. Right. And I think defensively for the dolphins as well, there's a lot of intrigue from the Broncos side. I, I honestly kind of just a huge Broncos reunion in this game from yes. the big names like Vic Fangio and Bradley Chubb all the way down to like river Craycraft, who's doing awesome in Miami. What's Vic bringing to the table, I guess. We'll, and we'll get into more of that as well as we talk about individual matchups and things like that. But from Broncos country's perspective, Really hopeful for a Vic Fangio reunion. Got a Vance Joseph reunion. How's that taking his defense and his scheme so far in Miami? Yeah, Vic has, um, he made some big adjustments from week one to week two. Also, the Mike McDaniel Broncos ball boy storyline. That's right. It, That's it, right. It, the connections run deep here. But uh, for Vic specifically, I think the week one matchup against the Chargers uh, I, I think that you saw the Dolphins front have a little bit of an identity crisis. They were very committed to, we're not going to let explosive plays in the passing game beat us. So you saw a lot of staying in those two high safety looks and six man box counts. And uh, what the Chargers then promptly did was they ran the ball down the Dolphins throat because the Dolphins had been a front that was so used to being, I don't want to say passive, but gap control at the line of scrimmage but you don't have the reinforcements behind you in six-man boxes to really approach it the same way. So then they come out against New England, and you saw a little bit more of the fire zone stuff that Vic's really known for to bring a fifth hat down automatically, both in run and pass situations. But you saw more middle-of-the-field closed coverage with rotation after the snap. You saw the front be a little bit more assertive to play on the plus side of the line of scrimmage and prevent Ramondre Stevenson as a big back from getting momentum into the line of scrimmage. So it was kind of like the traditional Vic in week one that everybody associates with split field coverages and two high safeties and vanilla presentation. And it felt like in week two against New England, he kind of married it with some of the stuff the Dolphins had done in the past. And it, it, the Dolphins reaped the benefits of that with yielding much better results in the run defense. Um, Reminder Stevenson had 50 yards rushing versus Eckler and uh, Kelly went off for 230 yards or whatever it was in week one. So I think that's the big storyline to watch for Vic from a scheme perspective is how much of it is traditional Vic Fangio and how much of it is more of that embracing of a little bit extra pressure, which I, I think encouraged the Dolphins front as they're still learning this new scheme to be really assertive and aggressive up front. Now we are going to talk matchups to watch that is coming up next year on this crossover Thursday episode between Locked On Dolphins and Locked On Broncos. So stick with us. But before we go any further on the show, Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. And it's the easiest way to play daily fantasy sports because it's you against the numbers. It's not you against thousands of other people and smart money and sharks and sharps and all that nonsense. It's you versus the house. 
You pick more or less than two to six player projections and watch the winnings roll in, winning up to 25 times your money if you hit that six pick parlay. So you can go to prizepicks.com. It's really simple to play. You can make entries in 60 seconds or less, pick two to six players and more or less over their stat projections, and they've got a bevy of them, and choose whatever you want. And right now, if you go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for first deposit match, you can get up to $100 match. That is prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports done right. Now, also, while we're here, Everyone should be empowered to take care of themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected, and that is why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to the medication that you need in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication on hand, and they handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery, ongoing consultation and care, so don't get caught unprepared. You could save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off shipping using code locked on at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code locked on. So I will seed the floor. Home team, I want to be a good host. One matchup you're really fascinated to watch for week one or week three between the Broncos and the Dolphins. I, I love it. I, I think it's got to be, as we kind of teased in the first segment here, Sean Payton versus Vic Fangio. We know these two guys maybe talked a little bit in the, I don't know, during the last year, kind of watching football together as they took their you know retirement year off or whatever right. you want to call it as they're scheming to come back. And we know Vic was thinking of different ways to kind of attack offenses. And we know Sean Payton is kind of thinking of new ways to add wrinkles to his offense. I'm intrigued to see, like you said, we saw a little more traditional Vic Fangio week one, a little bit of a mixture of different things in week two. How is he going to attack this Broncos team, which is very, very different from when he was in Denver only two years ago. And certainly I think Talked a lot with Sean Payton about just their different philosophies and things. So I think that's the chess match over the course of this game. Like, is Vic going to send additional pressure? Because we've seen teams have success with four against the Broncos. We've seen them have success, obviously, sending a lot of guys. It's just going to be a matter of these two guys who have lengthy histories of being able to outclass other coaches from their respective sidelines. How are they going to attack each other? In this game, what is it? Is Sean Payton going to show a, a commitment to the running game like we've kind of been expecting but haven't really seen? And how is Vic going to you know combat that? Because one of the things we know about Vic Fangio is when he was in Denver, he said, I, I like to pick guys in the draft offensively that I would hate to have to coach against. So now we're going to get to see that with guys like Javante Williams and Jerry Judy and things like that. So very, very fascinated by that chess match overall not necessarily individual players within it although that will be fascinating as well but those two guys going head to head after seemingly collaborating and saying hey let's come back to the nfl together in 2023 now here we are week three they're going up against each other i will uh i'll jump to the field for two elite players for the first matchup i was hoping you were going to leave me so thank you and it's perhaps the best corner in the NFL against perhaps the best wide receiver in the NFL with Patrick Sertain, the second against Tyreek Hill, 
that's really going to be a fun, good on good matchup. And uh, for the Charger or for, for the Dolphins against the Chargers and the Patriots in the first two weeks, you saw Tyreek Hill draw a lot of JC Jackson. And then John Jones was out for New England in week two. So this is kind of the first hallmark defender that I think the, the Dolphins are going to have an opportunity to see how an opposing defense chooses to try to defend Tyreek. And the Dolphins obviously do a lot of offensive shift and pre-snap motion and bunches and condensed formations and hiding Tyreek to kind of get him free releases. And I can't wait to see how PS2 kind of reacts to that because he is such a rare athlete for the stature that he is as a big corner to still be as fluid and graceful as he is and have the instincts that he does. Uh, I just think that's going to be like, can't miss TV to see those guys lining up against each other. You have to imagine um, Miami will try their best to manipulate coverage matchups to get Tyreek away from him at times. And I have to think Denver will want good on good, especially with Jalen Waddle in the concussion protocol right now, his status for week three is kind of up in the air. It sounds promising, but you never know until they, they end up out of protocol. So kind of wait and see on Jalen Waddle. That would certainly change the dynamics in favor of Denver if they don't have to worry about that other 4-3 speed guy on the perimeter because Miami really loves to play him off each other. Right, and that would be a, a godsend for the Broncos who have seen big-time struggles from Damari Mathis on the other side is another matchup I'm kind of – I don't necessarily say looking forward to seeing, but you got to find out is Damari Mathis going to be able to pick things up? Cause the first two weeks, man, the Raiders schemed ways to get Devonte Adams lined up against Damari Mathis and the commanders. We saw them scheme ways to get Terry McLaurin lined up against Damari Mathis. And they had a lot of success doing so just busting any great momentum. The Broncos got defensively You get into a third and long situation. They find a way to get a matchup against Damari Mathis. And so that's another aspect on the other side of things. Well, while everyone's going to be focused on PS2, Tyree Kill, and rightfully so, because we thought we dodged this guy, Kyle. I'm telling you, he got out of <laughs> Kansas City, thought we got rid of him, but here we are. But Damari Mathis on the other side, he's fascinating because last year had a really bad game in kind of his first significant action against the Chargers, bounced back and really didn't hear a lot from him the rest of the season, which is kind of a good thing. He was doing well, playing well. This year, it's been two really bad games to start the season. So whether or not Jalen Waddle plays, however the Dolphins find ways to scheme guys over to Damari Mathis' side when the Broncos are playing, man or zone coverage frankly it's going to be huge for him to step up and find a way to be much better than he has been yeah uh, another matchup that i'm really interested in as far as when um denver has the football is is watching the pass rush battle for miami unfold where christian wilkins spent the entire offseason kind of looking for a new contract and with the interior defensive line market Felt like his expectations were where the market was versus where the Dolphins were offering and how much of that was guaranteed money versus stipulated money. It just never happened. Well, Christian Wilkins has been fairly active throughout the course of the first couple weeks of the season from a pass rush perspective. He was in on one of the game ceiling sacks against Justin Herbert, and he got a sack on Mac Jones in week two, and, and he beat uh, Antonio Maffi, the rookie uh, out of UCLA for that sack in the fourth quarter after Michael and when you came back from injury and played the first three quarters before they took him out. So uh, really interested to see Christian against the interior defensive line of the Broncos where they've got a big name guy in Ben Powers in there. 
And I hope to see those two guys lined up against each other because I think that's a really nice additional litmus test against a quarterback like Russell Wilson, who can move around and did cut weight this offseason to kind of lighten up and be able to be more athletic and extend plays inside and outside the pocket. And just that, that continuing Christian Wilkins storyline, I look at the matchups that Denver can provide on the interior, and I feel like it's a good litmus test for Christian Wilkins for, hey, you say you want to be a $22 million per year interior defensive lineman. Okay, you got some quality competition against Denver, and you got a slippery quarterback. That's It's going to be hard for you to finish those reps on. So that's another area for me that I'll be, I'll be really interested to see unfold. Yeah, absolutely. Ben Powers, Quinn Miners playing very well through the early goings. Lloyd Cushenberry, shockingly to everyone in Broncos country, seems to be potentially taking that step forward. Interior pressure was such a big problem for the Broncos all of last season. Russell Wilson and Brett Rippon combined sacked over 60 times, and interior was the problem. Now, first couple games this season seems to be Garrett Bulls and Mike McGlinchey at the tackle positions that are struggling allowing some pressure here. So Broncos maybe haven't necessarily been able to get as deep drop type of plays, you know, from Russell Wilson, where you want to launch that ball downfield to somebody like Marvin Mims or Jerry Judy haven't been able to take as many of those shots as I think they would want to. So that's an aspect that I'm looking at as you talk about the interior pressure. I know you mentioned Dolphins wanted Javante Williams once upon a time, George Payton really wanted Jalen Phillips once upon a time. So he and Bradley Chubb coming off the edge there it's going to be a potential issue for Mike McGlinchey and Garrett Bowles at the tackle position. And how does that affect what Sean Payton is kind of willing to do to unleash Russell Wilson in this passing game? Because they had a ton of success early on against the commanders and had to kind of go away from that. Will they be able to get back on track? Because that was an element of the offense that was non-existent in week one, then popped in the first half of week two, only to disappear near the end of that game. And it's it seems as though Jalen Phillips, who missed last week, he he injured something minor and is back on Friday, which is such a weird day to have an injury. Didn't play against New England. Sounds like he will be back in play for the Dolphins in in week three against Denver. So George Payton will get a good look at, at Jalen Phillips. And, and we're going to talk about some of the other keys to victory sayer here uh, in just a minute. So everybody who is joining us on this crossover Thursday, stick with us. Before we go any further, let me tell you about Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs, they make you look good. Bird Dogs have stretched khaki, and whether shorts or pants, they're designed to make that fit look a little bit slimmer. So you've been working on those legs, getting ready for the fall here. They look slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. And they do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. And they fit way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton so bird dogs they fix that issue by inventing a cloud knit fabric looks just like khaki but it stretches so that you get that slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement and they use an anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long bird dogs are functional for any occasion if you're going golfing you're going on a date an evening out Maybe you're going to the pool or working out, lounging, whether you're at work, work from home, work at the office, it doesn't matter. Bird Dogs has something for you. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL or enter the pro co promo code locked on NFL at the checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. 
This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, Sayer. So Broncos are visiting. For the Broncos to win on Sunday, the most important thing that has to happen is blank. I think it's got to be the Vance Joseph's defense stopping this bleeding somehow, some way. Like I said a, a little bit ago, Broncos got into some nice situations defensively, a couple third and long situations against Sam Howell and the commanders. And all of a sudden, Sam Howell's ripping the ball 15, 20 yards downfield and just making it look easy. The pressure not getting home in key pass rush situations. So I think if Vance Joseph and the defense can stop the bleeding a little bit, Hopefully we'll see some more consistency from that Denver offense to be able to, all right, defense is going to be able to get us the ball back. We know if Russell, like he, he fumbled against the commanders, Russell fumbles, the defense is going to be able to step up and get a stop when we need it the most, because that hasn't been the case through the first couple of weeks. Dominate time of possession against the Raiders, still lose by one point. You score a lot of points early against the commanders, still find a way to let them back in the game. So Vance Joseph's defense, is it's its not taken quite yet for the Denver Broncos. They are still figuring out, and I, obviously they're trying to marry the Vic Fangio scheme, which we saw as Euro Evero run a lot last year as well, his iteration of it. Vance Joseph is kind of trying to run his iteration of it as well, but things are just not clicking. The pass rush not getting home. The, the coverage not on point in key passing situations. So it's going to be whether or not, like you said, this this Miami offense, very dynamic. They've, they've run the ball. They've shown they can pass the ball. Mike McDaniel schemes guys open. How is Vance Joseph going to stop the bleeding from the first two weeks? Because the Broncos have been one of the worst defenses per drive in the NFL so far. And I, I think Miami's key to victory, especially coming home and playing in South Florida for the first time, is winning on first down. It was a big point of emphasis for week two against New England, staying out of short yardage, second and third and short down and distance that really leaves the run on the table. The more you can win on first down, I think on both sides of the ball, where you are going to want to welcome Denver to hot, humid, very dense air South Florida and keep that defense out there. So, you know, as much as Miami, I think, is capable of quick strikes, if you go in on first down and, and play into your strengths defensively to have the pass rush really challenge Denver, and then in turn, you're able to win on first down and string together some drives and force Denver's defense to have to sustain if you're able to control the ball a little bit. It's low-hanging fruit to say, oh, win on first down and score more points than the other team to win the football <laughs> game. But I really think with, with such a stark climate difference between the two places, is there a better home field advantage for altitude and oxygen than Denver? Is there a more challenging home field advantage than the humidity of South Florida in September? So I think it's, you know, I'm interested to see how Miami plays in it because they haven't so far. Uh, but I, I would expect that is a storyline that if the game plays that way, it'll be an extra hurdle for Denver to have to tackle. It will be. And what's really fascinating about that is, a lot of the key players for the Broncos in this game are Miami natives. And some of them dating back to high school, high school teammates like 
Pat Sertan and Brandon Johnson, who's having a really good start to the season. They were high school teammates once upon a time there. Jerry Judy, a homecoming for him as well. So going to be fascinating to see how those guys who have obviously, you know, they've been professionals now in Denver, how they kind of reacclimate and maybe maybe key a potential Broncos, you know, getting back on track here and not necessarily saying they're going to go into Miami and win because Kyle, as you well know, I mean, the Broncos are what one in 15 in trips to Miami over the course of history. And the only victory, which I remember very well was the Tebow game way back when 2011, 2011. So this is uh, the, the stars have not aligned for the Broncos to win this game. I mean, they historically very bad in Miami, historically very bad in the 1 PM Eastern time playing window. So it's going to require a lot of things to come into place for the Broncos to be able to pull off an upset in week two. So I, I guess we'll close with quick final score predictions. What do you think the final score on Sunday looks like for this game? I always like to give a, here's what I hope for. Here's what I, what I think will happen. <laughs> what, what you hope? Yeah, that's right. You got to keep the hope alive while it's still there. We haven't lost yet. So hopefully the Broncos are able to get to 31st, right? Uh, maybe 30 to 27 type of thing. I kind of see it going that way one way or the other. Broncos are consistently in one score games. So either 30-27 Denver, 30-27 Miami. I think first to 30 could win this game. Although, I mean, I don't want to sell Vic Fangio short. I never, I rarely saw his defenses give up 30 points. So I, I think... First to 30 wins this game. I'll go 30 to I'll, I'll lean into the 30. Uh, I'll go 30 to 24. Um, I, I do think Miami with their explosives and willing to live in the world where they play with the, the high shells and limit the explosive plays and try to force you to play perfect eight to 10 play drives. I, I think I would probably, especially Miami at home with that juiced up home crowd, I would give the lean to Miami, but I do think this is a one score game. And I think the, the FanDuel Sportsbook right now has the spread at six and a half. So they seem to believe this will be a one score game as well. I certainly think it'll be highly competitive and there will be blow and counter blow back and forth. And uh, here's to an entertaining and healthy game on Sunday between the Broncos and Dolphins. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.